Hello and welcome to the Psychic Stories podcast, encouraging conversations about mental health. Today I'm speaking to Marco Ricci. Marco is the founder of Talking Mental Health that aims to make talking about mental health part of everyday conversations, which, as we said before, is not a bad thing, is it, Marco? <laughs> Absolutely not, yeah. <laughs> How are you? Very good, very good. Um, kind of getting through lockdown, looking forward to it all lifting. Very yes, good. The, How about yeah, you? I'm good. I'm looking forward to a few hugs. Yeah, that's going to be know. nice. <laughs> perhaps a virtual hug over the um, 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 for us Marco so like the goal of today other than to have a virtual hug is to open is to have an open and honest conversation about your mental health journey to get some insights into the tools and techniques that have helped you and are available and accessible to other people and by discussing your journey we hope to share and normalize these conversations about mental health as often people are not alone with these experiences and actually is very 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 much aligned with your organization talking mental health absolutely That's, so that sound all good yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Awesome. Um, well, um, first question, always the first question and probably the last question. We'd love to hear your mental health story. Yeah, sure. So um, my story, I was kind of trying to figure out how to communicate my story um, mm -hmm. in that there's not really a kind of traditional start to it. I suppose the, the best starting point is my diagnosis, mm -hmm. which was when I was 21. Um, 32 now so it's just over a decade ago mm. um, when I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety um, at the time that was a result of uh, a very very stressful job there was a lot of pressure on me um, and I essentially just burned out from the job um, and from there I kind of had uh, some some talking therapy sessions mm. um, to go a bit deeper into into you know the issues that I was having um, which actually turned into a slight um, deviation in diagnosis to social anxiety, mm. um, which actually from those sessions, I realized was something I'd had for most of my life until I was 21. That's why I'd say like, there's not really a starting point to yeah. my story, but. Um, and in terms of that social anxiety, you just, you just thought it was you. Yeah, I just thought it was me. Yeah. Um, like I, I thought, you know, I, well, I kind of thought everyone feels nervous in, in social situations, mm. like surely, how I'm feeling is is quite normal, but um, I would I would get this essentially a fear of of being in you know large crowds or mm. or being in new situations, um, you know situations which I just hadn't experienced before, and mm. I kind of from those sessions, it, it could look back on experiences throughout my life from even as young as like eight nine years old when I would there's one memory in particular where I quite literally ran away from the situation mm. um, because I was just so scared of what was going to happen. It was proper fight or flight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, and you flew. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and from there, I kind of, you know, I could picture it in my, in my childhood through my kind of teenage years. Um, and it always affected kind of relationships I was having with people. But like I said, I, I didn't really have a, a like a label for it, so I didn't know that it was an issue. Um, and how did it feel when you got that label? Was it kind of was it a relief? You that oh, actually, actually things could get better. I, you know, I don't need to. This doesn't need to be me. Or is it something that actually because you know, there's a lot of people you know who who are very anti-labeling, but um, in some situations, I think it can be positive. Yeah, I think it was it was very much. Um, very relieving for me actually because yeah it put, it put a lot of things into into perspective and kind of gave me I, I I'd always thought you know 
surely this is what everyone feels, but I'm not quite comfortable with how I'm feeling in these situations. Mm. And to be given a label, oh yeah, that was actually social anxiety that was kind of kicking in, mm. kind of made me realize, oh, okay. So, you know, this is something that I can do something about. I'm not, I'm not particularly, particularly, you know, weird, or there's not really anything wrong with me as a person. This was just something that I was experiencing. And now I, I have, you know, this therapy, which was cognitive uh, behavioral therapy was what I had, um, can help me out and hopefully can kind of, you know, prevent it from getting from happening again throughout my life and help me if it does, you know, and it, and it does seem like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know where it comes from, but we are kind of like born with this belief that, or conditioned with the belief that like who we are from an early age is who we are, hmm. you know, going through our lives. And, you know, we think about like, if we, you know, for example, you know, I know we, we, we were chatting before this and you, you know, you're, you're, you're just qualified as a personal trainer. So you're obviously into your fitness and stuff. Like when you want to change your body, you work out a plan to change your body. You might mm. go to the gym, you might get some fit, you know, you, you might use a fitness, whatever it's going to be. But it doesn't seem to be a similar kind of approach for the mind. Like, of course, there are things where it's just set in stone. You know, there are, you know, I'm sure, some elements of your kind of core wiring and your kind of, you know, the personality type. But actually, there's a lot of stuff, like you said, for, for you, in terms of social anxiety, that would have arisen as a result of a certain experience. And it, that does, you know, that can, in some respects, you can train that train that out of you out of yourself in a certain way or rewire yourself via things like cbt to be you know as part of that training to be able to say well, actually i'm going to change i'm going to feel better as a result yeah absolutely and i i think kind of our, our human nature is to we kind of need to see a progress in yeah. something i think you know when you're when you're chasing a, a physical health goal if you could start seeing the differences in your physique or whatever your fitness you have that kind of progression but when it's happening in your mind and you know there isn't you can't really see the progression yeah. really uh, as a feasible thing it's, until, until one day you realize it like shit i'm in a big crowd i feel okay <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly and that was yeah that was um one of the things i learned on the in the cbt um sessions was yeah that you kind of have to I mean, part of it was writing it down. So it was a feasible thing. It was something that you could see. It would be like, you know, write down what you expect is going to happen in this scenario. And then we'll revisit it next week. And next week, sure enough, what you expected was completely the opposite of what actually happened. And having that kind of physical evidence was, for me, it was very powerful. Yeah. So in terms of that, like, do you, do you continue to write down, like, you know, you know, people talk more generally about journaling, like, is that something that you, you found useful at that particular time? Do you continue that? Um, I, I do sometimes journal. Um, it's not, it's not actually not in that sense. I don't, I don't tend to write down my kind of expectations um, because I do feel in a, a lot better control of that. Mm. So I can, I can kind of, pinpoint those feelings those thoughts that i have where i think you know i'm going to go to this situation this scenario where there's a lot of people i'm going to hate it people are going to laugh at me for mm. whatever reason mm. which are essentially you know ridiculous thoughts and i can pinpoint them now and kind of challenge them right um, okay so it's all about it's all about almost like you know um, catching them yeah and challenging them 
And then I suppose what, the more you do that, I suppose you're building that kind of automatic process in your mind, which you can pick up those thoughts very quickly. And almost in some respects, you know, now having had like, you know, 11 years of kind of training on this, do mm. you, when those thoughts pop up, are you able to just swap them away now? Um, most instances I can, I can kind of manage it a lot better and I can manage how it kind of manifests um, as feelings a lot better. Um, I, I, I'm still absolutely susceptible to, you know, um, feeling a fear about a new situation. I still mm. totally get that. So if I'm, for example, I've got a, um, my best friend's wedding in a couple of weeks and I constantly have that thought in the back of my mind of like, oh God, this is a daunting scenario, but I can, I can deal with that now. And I can mm. kind of, you know, say that that's just the kind of natural yeah. nervous energy and, and, and um, anxiety, I suppose, about the situation. But I don't know if that's going to happen. And actually I have plenty of evidence from the past, however many years that says to me that, my fears don't always match up with what I think is going to, what actually happens. That's interesting. So the actual, the fear itself is still there. The fear doesn't go away. It's the way that you're able to cope and manage with it as you go along. So, so, so in a sense, like perhaps what I was saying, you know, earlier was wrong. It's, it's not about rewiring. So those fears don't exist anymore. Like almost those fears are part of you, but now you're able to cope and manage. And in some respects, look forward to you know start to look forward to these situations and uh, in some respects um not allow those negative thoughts to dominate yeah absolutely and i, okay. I think that's i think that's where a lot of people can kind of get a bit dismayed in in you know they might have cbt or they might have whatever therapy therapy it is and then after a short period of time they might might start having their symptoms manifest again and that's i think that's where a lot of people get dismayed in that they think the therapy itself should kind of almost act as a cure yeah. um, when actually in reality it's, it's more of a kind of how I understood it. It's more of a kind of management um, kind of training you to manage your fears or, or, or your mood or whatever. And has it been useful in other contexts of your life? Um, yes. Um, it's really helped me in, in terms of kind of like relationships and, and kind of friendships um, because that was one area of my life that my social anxiety really affected was particularly friendships where I would kind of pick up on things that were said and I kind of tell myself, oh, it must, it must be this. It must be, this must be the reason why they said this or they think this. And actually being able to, to, to challenge that now I feel like I have a lot more kind of more of an honest and pure relationship with the friends that I, I have now, which is nice to have. And as part of, I suppose, as part of those, those fears that you had, I suppose, are you now in kind of incentivized for yourself to kind of talk more openly to them about your fears and therefore those people who do love you are very accepting of those fears and necessarily won't put you in those situations or will help you through those situations. Absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, talking about my mental health has been so, so, so beneficial. I cannot <laughs> express how much it's helped. And I, I don't just mean that from the point of like, you know, ultimately I got all the help I, I did because I opened my mouth and I, I told someone about how I was feeling, but 
now uh, as a, a, you know a decade after i was diagnosed that i had by just kind of saying to a friend or my partner you know this is how i'm feeling right now i'm feeling particularly anxious about this um it, it's really kind of opened up a different perspective to a lot of my relationships and actually opened up a whole world for the people that i'm talking to as well so a lot of the time uh, I'll say like, oh, this is really filling me with, you know, anxiety, this, this upcoming event and then to a friend and they will sure enough, most of the time will be like, yeah, absolutely. Me too. Like I'm, I'm feeling about like this. And because of that, you kind of form this, uh, if to me, it feels like a lot more of a kind of like genuine friendship where you can talk about how you're actually feeling at all times. Um, I feel like that carries across to a lot of my relationships now. And do you find that, because I know like now we, we talk about, med, in general, we're talking about mental health a lot more, which, mm-hmm. is, which is definitely a good thing. Do you, think, do you think in any way that there's an element that it is not constructive? Like, do you think that we have to have a decent vocabulary to be able to kind of talk about our feelings in a certain way? Because there's a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. And I wonder whether are people just making, you know, and perhaps it's very you know, controversial, but are people just making noise about men, their mental health or mm. are they having genuine, creative, kind of collaborative conversations? Um, I feel like the, the, uh, the amount of um, kind of people that are talking about their mental health are, uh, there's a, a hell of a lot more people now talking about their mental health in general, but I kind of, I kind of feel like it, is quite an indicator of the fact that it's a bit of a one-way conversation and there's a lot of people who want to talk about their mental health but they don't feel like they're being listened to or or there's not much coming back and I think that's where the kind of educational awareness piece comes in so that if someone does say something to me or you you know I'm I'm I've got whatever thoughts that I can give them a, a genuine conversation and dialogue um and I think, I think that's so important, really, because the, the emphasis has been on talking about mental health for so long and trying to just get people to open up that there's not been that much emphasis on the other side of the conversation, the listening and yeah. the being able to digest and ask the right questions and, and all that kind of thing to, to actually provide proper support. And I think that is, I think you really very concisely and succinctly put you know, perhaps what I've been thinking for, you know, for a while, like actually there's a lot of, you know, rather than talking about mental health, there's a lot of shouting about mental health. Mm. Like you said, people want to be listened to, but the other side, and actually I I think you're, I think you're completely right. The, actually there's a lot of work that needs to be done for when someone does talk about their mental health. If you're on the other side of that conversation, how do you react? And we've had conversations on this podcast with, you know, with um, with um, founders of, for example, um, an organisation charity called Suicide and Co. Suicide is a very difficult topic to 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 talk about. It affects a lot of people. Um, uh, bereavement by suicide is extreme. You know, is is in t- t- terms of proportion is very high. But how do people talk about those conversations? In you know, if you go down to the pub and you want to talk about that, how do you? have the vocabulary to, 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 to ask the right questions, to listen better, to, to understand those non kind of um, verbal cues so that you can really kind of start to kind of navigate these kinds of conversations. Because actually talking about mental health is the easy part. 
It's having the conversations are actually really difficult, which is why often people go down the more talking therapy route where you're actually having a, a, a facilitated conversation with a professional. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agree. And well, and so so you you've you founded this uh, your, your kind of this organization called uh, Talking Mental Health. I, I assume this is, you know, from everything we're talking, <laughs> we're talking about, it has been a very natural progression of your experiences. And um, but but uh, uh, as we understand, it's kind of it's been born out of a passion project. So it'd be really interesting to hear that that kind of journey from your perspective. Yeah, of course. Cool. So um, so to give a kind of rundown of the history of it, um, it. it started with my diagnosis and I, I started kind of blogging about um you know how I was feeling all these different events in my life um that was born out of the cbt and journaling thing um and from there I kind of thought I'd actually quite like to just create a space where someone could just anonymously share their story um and that's all talking mental health was originally which is mm-hmm. just a web page where you could just go on tell your story, publish it with the hopes that someone else would come across it and kind of go, actually, that's, that's something that I experienced and maybe I should talk to someone about this. Um, and even in that form, like it resonated with enough people for me to kind of go, oh, this is, this has struck a chord with mm. quite a few people actually being able to have that outlet. Um, Jim, I, just, I, just a quick one, sorry to interrupt. Was it in a form that it was just, it was an anonymous post um, that people could people start a conversation or was it literally putting out your story and that was it it was essentially it was essentially almost like a um like a message board really like mm-hmm. okay. there's my post here's my story um, and, and would people converse about the stories um there wasn't a kind of social element to it in that right, sense okay. it was literally just you know that's the story yeah that's um, a story this is my story or well, this is this person's story this is the next person's story and therefore yeah. actually going through that you can see i got a lot of insight into lots of people's journeys yeah absolutely well, okay um, cool and that at that point it wasn't called cool to talk in mental health it was just like it was just a website that i'd created and it was just something that i thought hopefully this helps someone open up about their story um and that in turn can help other people um, realize one, they're not alone, two, maybe they could go and talk to someone about it. Um, that was a few years ago. Um, and then the pandemic hit and I realized, um, oh God, mental health now is like under the spotlight. Um, there was enough interest in, in the kind of the, the, almost like the message board idea. And, I, and it had taken on the name talking mental health. I was developing it anyway to try and make it a bit nicer website to use. Um, and at that point, I kind of thought, actually, uh, this has got enough kind of resonation with with people. Resonation is that a word? It's re- resonating. It works with for me. That <laughs> <laughs> it resonates with enough people that I think this could work on a kind of bigger scale. Um, and at the same time, because of the pandemic, all of this stuff was hitting the news um about mental health and at that point i kind of i thought okay what if i create this place where people can share their stories um anonymous anonymously or they can kind of attribute it to themselves but also um we've since kind of branched out into like a news coverage um part of the website as well so we're bringing together like real world coverage with real real life stories um to kind of really encourage the whole conversation about it so it's not just the like we were saying the people who are just kind of telling their story and there's not much else to it 
we're also talking about the kind of the educational part of it of like this is what's happening in the world this is the, what's happening you know with the nhs with with funding with with children's mental health and all that kind of stuff so that it becomes a kind of source of of conversation it becomes part of just everyday conversation um and just in the, the same way that you know the 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 driving force behind this series is to get more conversations and more everyday conversations about mental health. It's a very similar angle of like, we're trying to, to create the content that will drive the conversation, the everyday mm -hmm. conversations and make it something that people talk about regularly. And hopefully in turn, that means that more people will, will understand mental health, um, will share their stories, will go see, go to see their doctors if they realize that maybe they should. And do you, because it's, it's, it's really interesting lens to that kind of, like, kind of news of mental health, especially global news. There was, you know, there's been a lot of talk, or well, there's been always been a lot of talk for the last few, few years, even last decade, about the kind of the impending mental health crisis, mm. global crisis, that is. And then the pandemic hit and those, 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 that, that crisis was exacerbated. Like, it seems, it seems to me that there is a lot of underlying issues with the way that different countries and you know maybe the commonalities among that are structured so that as a result people do feel generally you know there is a large proportion of the population which can feel very anxious for various reasons are you seeing as you kind of kind of almost aggregate that information from around the world do you do you, do you get a sense that 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 kind of mental health crisis is is still simmering under the surface I think, uh, like you said, I think the pandemic is certainly exacerbating things. Um, I think it's been there for a while. I think the the, the kind of idea of you know mental health, um, almost like waiting for this explosion of diagnoses, has been going on for a long time. It just so happens that the pandemic now has put a lot more people in situations that they're not particularly comfortable with or familiar with, and that's driving a lot more kind of. Um, uh, negativity in terms of their mental health and I think I I don't kind of want to it, it kind of sounds quite scary saying it but I do think that there's going to be a lot of of um, a lot more kind of diagnoses in terms of anxiety depression um, any kind of real mental health issues and it, it does it seems like that from a lot of the stuff that we're covering so there's a lot of different surveys going on because everyone's kind of expecting it to happen. Mm. They're doing the surveys to try and see if it is happening. And it definitely seems like that's what's happening, mm. um, unfortunately. Um, and that's from people, you know, um, in senior positions in, in businesses to, to students, to children, to, you know, nurses. There's, there does seem to be a bit of an exponential rise in in mental health uh, problems unfortunately and you start to as you start to consider all that are you able to kind of point towards some kind of even even in a very kind of you know nascent stage some some root causes and some foundations of of, of which our kind of our whole societies are built on that are contributing towards these kind of issues yeah i do think that um quite a big question that sorry, I'm so sorry it is a big question <laughs> I think there's a lot of different things going going on feeding into it I think for a long time we haven't really 
um we haven't been able, we haven't been speaking about um mental health anyway in terms of our general conversation um i think that education about mental health um certainly needs to be revamped in terms of in schools i think there should be much better um teaching about mental health mm -hmm. i mean i only i only knew about anxiety and depression because i took psychology in a level yeah. other than that i had absolutely no um kind of interaction with mental health or or, or mental health issues in any at any point in my school mm. career um, i'm I just going to say it certainly does seem that psychology should could be a fundamental part of the curriculum should be it should be really yeah. I, I genuinely think it should be i mean like we were saying earlier you, pretty much every school has physical education right yeah but they don't have any kind of like mental education it's a really good point it's a really good point or if it is it's always a kind of an extra curricular yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely it's via psychology or yeah um i think that really needs to be revamped and hopefully um hopefully the kind of attention that mental health the mental health world as it were is drawing it will drive that i hope in that people will start kind of yearning for better education from a younger age um i think that's all i've got for you mm. no <laughs> but, but 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 that that that, that resonates or the resonation of that the resonation the yeah. resonation great word yeah. um is um that does you know that that really does kind of align with you know we know what what kind of what we've been thinking about at psychic at the same time and You've got, you've almost got to a stage where we, I don't, perhaps it's been brought around, brought brought around more through the internet age. Um, I, th I don't think a lot of the, well, I think that in our parents' generation, grandparents' generation, a lot of major world events were happening. There a lot of suppressed emotions, especially in Britain. We are known for being rather um, 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 repressed when it comes to our emotions um, um, compared to other cultures. But we've got this this whole. I suppose, I suppose it's almost like, it almost feels like we're catching up, but we're catching up very, very fast. And it's quite overwhelming um, with the quantity of, 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 of information and the kind of processing that we need to do in order to kind of cope and to manage in, in, in the world as it, as it quickly develops. Um, some of the tools, kind of tips and techniques, you know, for example, we've talked about journaling, you know, talk about meditation, CBT, there's a lot of, a lot of resources out there, but it's, as I'm sure you've you've appreciated, going from when you first had a um, um, went to speak to a, a specialist at 21, like in three months you can make some progress, but you can't make all the progress in the world. Like it's not like, and that's the other thing. It's not like going to the gym. You know, you've got to you know actually starting at a young age, starting at school, and starting learning about psychology is probably a much a, a much better approach because it starts to build in your kind of models of the overall world. Mm -hmm. now knowing all these labels diagnosis and how i'm feeling applying it you can often apply it in the wrong way and come to the wrong conclusions and it can actually can lead to be some sometimes a bit more confusing yeah absolutely absolutely i think yeah i, th I think if you're kind of tackling that from um during you know a school career especially i, I personally think it should kick in you know at secondary school um, I know that there are efforts now that are kind of teaching even younger children about um, talking about well-being and how yeah. they're feeling and things like that. Yeah. I think absolutely you can do that um, as well. I think kind of 
driving that better awareness of of how we're feeling and how others might be feeling and driving essentially what will become a better conversation Mm -hmm. so people can be able to pick up these things from other people create a a better uh, dialogue about mental health then hopefully in time you'll start to see um a much healthier kind of generation in terms of mental health and i think i I think you've nailed it there we're looking at the next generation at being healthier and being able to cope and manage with some of the very overwhelming the very overwhelming problems that are facing future generations Mm -hmm. you know climate change um perhaps perhaps new pandemics like there's a lot of things to cope with and effectively we need the human race to be on top form on top well-being form because because if we're not and we can't function come up with some of you know some of these solutions you know to these very big problems you know there is kind of only one outcome so it kind of it almost in some respects it's about investing i suppose investing in that future generation early so that actually we can continue because you know actually a lot of this comes to quite some existential questions at the same time but in the meantime it means that for our generation it's about coping, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Coping until the end. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I mean, in terms in terms of coping, you, you've spoken about you know, some tips and tools that helped you. I'd love to hear about um, some 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 other tips and tools and kind of advice resources that have helped you along your world. But also, especially in your in your role at talking mental health, are you seeing commonalities between tools and resources? across different countries i certainly have conversations with people from different countries on this podcast and a lot of people say the same tools help them um there's a there seems to be a a commonality in term in uh the stories that are shared with us in terms of um one just just opening up about mental health i know it's really really basic advice but just taking the time to kind of sit down with someone and share how they're feeling. Um, I suppose that's expected because they're sharing their stories, but, um, and a lot of people as well are kind of, uh, are going the kind of talking therapy route. Um, there's a lot of people who, who, who rely on um, time outdoors and, and nature, um, the topic of mental health awareness week, funny enough. <laughs> Um, which is which is very also been very um, helpful for me. So I, I really really feel like I benefit from just going and and kind of putting myself in in nature, just going for a walk through the woods or whatever. Um, I absolutely I think it's so beneficial for me uh, in terms of it kind of resets my perspective of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very easy to kind of get tied into all these knots of like stress and anxiety and it and to just go out into in into the woods for a walk or or the seaside whatever is kind of closest to you um and just being around nature in its kind of you know most basic form all you can hear is the birds and like the leaves crunching under your feet it kind of puts everything into perspective and makes you realize it makes you kind of brings your stress down obviously it helps you kind of untie those knots it helps you kind of think it through and and really make you feel like understand what what actually truly matters um i find as well for me that um and there's a couple of people who have 
have kind of um, mentioned this in their stories with us is uh, exercising. Uh, unfortunately, none of these tips that I'm going to give you are particularly original. But, um, no, but, but, but what's interesting is that I think the interesting thing <coughs> for, for us is that they're the same things. There seems to be yeah. some basic things that we can all do for free, yeah. which we can really support ourselves. Obviously, in times of crisis, we need more support, undoubtedly. But there's a lot of stuff we can do that we're not doing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We should do. Uh, yeah, definitely. And I, I think that's certainly with the lockdown restrictions, I think a lot of people realized just how beneficial just going outside or going to the gym actually was helping them. Um, uh, but for me, absolutely um, working out, going to the gym is a real um, kind of crutch for me. I find it really, really helps kind of expend any stress, energy, any anxiety that may be building up um, and helps me because I'm focused on what I'm doing in the gym. It helps me, you know, shift focus away yeah. from what, was causing the anxiety in the first place um meditation has, has helped me out um I, d I don't do it as regularly as some people for some people it's like you know they do it every day um it's not something that i feel helps me every day if mm. that makes sense um but that's okay right like you know you know meditation and mindfulness is often you know, talk about this catch-all mm. solution, but it, but I mean, the reality is, it, it's not like actually for some people, it's harmful, yeah. and it's, it's it's a great thing. But just because you don't do it every day, you don't need to do it every day. You know, if it helps you in a certain situation, then that's you know, and it, and it makes you feel better. Then that that's that's a good way to kind of to kind of I suppose organize it in your own toolkit. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'll do this meditation when I feel like this. But if I don't feel like this, I'm going to do something else. Absolutely. Um, and I find as well from, it's a bit of a, um, I've got a strange relationship with um, a kind of organization. So from a social anxiety point of view, having a kind of organized life is <laughs> quite anxiety inducing. Yeah. So like, for example, if I have a month where every weekend I've got a social event booked, that will fill me with anxiety for pretty much the entire month because I'm anticipating each next thing. Um, but on the flip side, organizing my kind of days into almost like to-do lists. It's really, really um, simple to-do list. So it might be something like send a text to some to someone, send this email. That really, really helps me um, kind of reframe my feelings. So on my phone, I can't remember the, the app, but I've just got like my to-do list and on my front page of my phone. Okay, I need to phone this person. I need to send this text. I need to do my brain training or whatever it is. Yeah, and you tick it off, tick it off, tick it off. And every time you tick it off, you feel better. It's, it's, it's amazing. It it's is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a simple thing. And I find it so effective because even, even on the days where I think at the end of the day, oh man, I've, I've done absolutely nothing. What an unpro unproductive day. Yes. I can look at this and go, oh, actually, I'm actually, I have actually done a bit. Yeah. Um, which is really nice. It's a really nice feeling. Um, but yeah, there's loads of different things. Um, they're just some of the things that I do. Yeah. Like I, I read, I play computer games, all these ways that unwind kind of thing. But, but it's interesting you, you say that about the, about the list. Like if it's something I'm very, very bad at is, 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 suppose, is articulating what I've done. Like yeah. My wife often comes and goes, what on earth have you done today? <laughs> and I'm pretty certain I've been really busy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I can't, I, I can't articulate it. I've got no sense of what I've done. Whereas actually with this, I, I completely agree with you. Like, 
And, and those to-do lists can be as simple as possible. Yeah. Uh, even like have lunch, that's fine. Yeah, you know, yeah. at least I can get my post-it note and go to my wife, I've had lunch. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I've done something today, but, yeah. but I do think that like, like you said, at the end of the day, some people are better at reflecting on what they've done, you know, in their memory. You know, mm-hmm. all I know is that I have been busy and I haven't had much time for myself. I know that. I've got a small daughter. I know that. But can I articulate it? No, I can't. However, if I've got this list, I'm like, oh, actually, I have covered off quite a lot today. So it, I, like you said, it, it brings out a sense of, I suppose it's more relief as well, isn't it? It's like, oh, I actually have been busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't completely wasted my day. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> okay, awesome. Um, honestly, thank you so much for your time um, for chatting us today. Um, honestly, what you're what you're doing at talking mental health is brilliant and it's to be honest it's the first time i've seen where you are aggregating those kind of mental health stories for the news and uh, i can only wish you well in your in, in your journey thank you i appreciate it and and likewise i think what you guys are doing is is awesome i, I was going to say about the the you know all these different kind of techniques to help me and i know that kind of it reflects very much your toolkit idea um uh, psychic which i think is just a, a great approach Thank you very much. But but also, it's nothing new, right? Yeah. Like, and what, what, what we've tried to do, what we've tried to really stress is that, okay, we've we, we've created a, a, a free app so that you can basically store these and organize the, these resources. But, you know, th- this idea around the mental health toolkit, has, it's been around for a long time, but it's, it's amazing. It might've been around for a long time and people have lots of different ways of doing it, but how can you kind of, aggregate all of those awesome techniques and tools that are out there in the world and allow people to try them and find their own kind of toolkit and hopefully find some kind of solace and peace when they are struggling. Mm, absolutely. I, th- I think it's a really good approach. I think it will help a lot of people. So, Well, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Mark. Honestly, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks very much. And thank you to everyone listening. You can subscribe to us on most major podcast platforms, YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Just search for Sidekick Community or Psychic Stories and we'll pop up. And please do give us a rating if you like this show. And do check out our free Psychic app for iPhone and iPad. As we just mentioned, it's a collection of interactive exercises, tools, and tips to help you boost your mental well-being. The app enables you to build a personalized well-being toolkit to help you deal with life's ups and downs. Just go to our website, www.sidekick.org.uk and click the download now button in the header to take you to the app store marco thanks so much again no problem thanks